Welcome, everybody, back to the Clear Out Podcast, hosted by Blue Wire Podcast. This is your host, Matt Brooks. I am joined by Lucas Kaplan, a man of many bylines. We could go through them all. I tried to do it last time. I'm not going to do it. We're working on a borrowed time right now. So, Lucas, first off, how are you? How's your day been? And uh, it's just a pleasure to have you back on. Nice, man. I'm Day's going much better now. I'm happy to be back on. I'm happy to be on i'd say one of the more film focused analytic sort of nets platforms there is out there right now um it's you know fun to talk about the team on the court with most of the noise around the nets being off the court and the beyond vaccines and the part-time police work that Kyrie might get into <laughs> so i'm just happy to be talking ball uh it's 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 i think we're going to learn a lot from this road trip that the nets are currently on so it's a it's a fun time of the NBA season, which means it's a fun time for me. And past that, man, um, I'm doing pretty good. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, I I'll, I haven't had very much fun watching the Nets lately. I've, I mean, I have in a way, but they're kind of such a weird team to watch right now. They get into these, like, grinded out games. I tweeted about it yesterday. It's like, I feel like I'm watching the same game every time where they just kind of don't bring it. And it's not all against teams that are kind of, you know, I think a little bit better upper tier teams, they'll bring it a little bit more, but against these like bottom tier teams, they kind of just, you know, they play all right. They're in, they're kind of going through the motions. There's turnovers there. The off ball defense isn't great. Uh, and then, and then they turn up at the very end. So I, I enjoy this part of the season. I'm with you. I think we're learning a lot. Things are starting to even out. Uh, teams that started hot are starting to fall back. Uh, the teams that are legitimately good are staying legitimately good. But I think in terms of net stuff, uh, aside from last night, which I actually thought the final quarter and a half of that Mavericks uh, Nets game, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, aside from that, I, I don't know. They've been a, a kind of a weird watch for me lately. Yeah, you know, someone in a in a group chat with me said they reminded him of the 2018-19 Nets in just that the games were all either big leads or big mostly big deficits erased and the fourth quarter was just fun and back and forth and this and that. And in a way that's very true because the structure of the games that the Nets have been playing have been very similar to those Kenny Atkinson Nets, but the way they get there, I agree with you is just so much different. Uh, And most of the time it's just a slog. The spacing is hard to watch a lot of the time. I think that is affecting both of our enjoyments of this team um the effort level obviously i don't think it's what it was last year in terms of the huge swings from night to night um because i think the nets know that they're not playing with as much talent and they can't really afford to be quite as lackadaisical as they were last year um some of the bench guys this year i think too bring a little bit more energy um but overall you you hit it right on the head it feels like it's a weird team because it feels like we're watching the same nets team the same nets game every single night and yet the blood pressure and just the stress of those last quarter and a half, those last 15 minutes are always, always at a high level. And it's not because teams are going back and forth playing great basketball. It's just a slog and the nets are just gutting these pretty ugly wins out. 
Yeah, it's weird. Like last year was like beautiful game nets. This year is like we swing, 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 and it's somehow a contested 15 footer with like two guys guarding Kevin Durant. It's really bizarre. And it's like, I, it's a lot of it's just the spacing. Um, I also, you know, it, it, they're kind of stuck like with a lot of their lineup optimization. Even like the lineup I thought popped last night uh, against the Mavericks. It was uh, Nicholas Claxton, James Johnson front court. I thought that was interesting defensively. Offensively, as much as I, I like James Johnson's ability to find pockets, he doesn't seem to run into Clax as much as, say, you know, DeAndre Bembry does with, with LaMarcus Aldridge. I feel like those two guys are, like, always in the same place all yeah. the time. The, all Wolves, the, time. the Wolves game had a bunch of – there was one play where they set a double stagger or they set a double drag for – um for James Harden and they both rolled right into the same spot. Yeah. Um, I think that's just a product of James Johnson, just the cliches, being a veteran, being a long time, you know, student of the game, what have you, just knowing how to play with a lot of different teams and in a lot of different systems in his career. Whereas Bembry, it seems they've told him you to maximize your offense, you catch the ball and you attack the rim. You do this, this, and this. Whereas I think the coaching staff, as they should trust James Johnson to hey, we're going to put you out there in a lot of different lineups, like just figure it out. And yeah. he knows like he's not the greatest three-point shooter in the world, but if he has to stand in the corner to allow Nick Claxton to roll to the rim, then he'll stand in the corner and let that happen. So um, it's still not not the tightest fit though, because ideally you'd like James Johnson, as you said, like exploring some of those in-between pockets and like driving and kicking, things like that. What do you think of him as a five? James Johnson? Yeah. Hell yeah. We're here. We're here. Um, with, with Claxton out the pat the previous three weeks or whatever it was, uh, closer to a month, um, I think it showed what James Johnson's role at, on defense is really mainly going to be and that he's their best non-Claxton uh, switch big. And even then, you know, he makes not a ton of communicative mistakes that Claxton can make from time to time. Like you can just generally trust him more when guarding complicated screening actions and just barking out directions. Um, again, it goes, it really just goes back to the same thing for me with James Johnson and that his legs just look livelier mm -hmm. than every other non Claxton big. And so that helps him just guard in space. You know, he's not food either in a switch or in a sort of a more drop setting where the guard, you know, is coming downhill and he has momentum. You know, Johnson is not necessarily just a, a matador in those situations. So I like, I like him as a five there. You're going to be a little bit small on the glass. You're going to be a little, you know, just not as physical overall, but he gives them that switch all look, just that athletic look that they really leaned on last year. So I, I like it. I like it. So I, they, they ran it out. And the reason I asked, I have something coming out, a video um, kind of, and I'll, we'll talk about this in a second, like this general topic, but uh, it's basically just I went through the Suns and Warriors games again, which I know nobody wants to watch, but I did it again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of went through and, and just tried to track some things. And they had this little mini comeback against Phoenix that I wrote off for the most part, but they did kind of operate pretty interestingly with, with Johnson at the five. So I, I wonder, like, I don't think that he's a guy that you're going to rely on night to night. As a five, like your backup five, like that's just ridiculous. A, you have like a hundred options on this team, uh, and B, it's just I don't think that's a sustainable way to uh, utilize him, and it's not going to work in every single matchup. But I think it's certain matchups where it's like if you're playing the Warriors, 
kind of want to see that. Kind of want to see James Johnson at the five. Uh, you know, if if he's pressuring a guy on a switch and or even if he's not involved that way, he can grab a rebound and like push the pace. And it's just it's very different. It's like the elements that I enjoyed about Paul Millsap just watching his footage this off season. I just feel like James Johnson's been better at pretty much everything. Exactly. I, I, I was about to make the Millsap comparison because one of the things on offense that I liked about Millsap was like, this is a guy who can get it and push it and get into a handoff early. And to be fair to Millsap, we have seen that. There versus the Bulls, there were a few times where he got a rebound or just brought it up and immediately got into a handoff with Patty Mills. And Millsap is a pretty good, you know, he's a really good screener. That's the one thing I think he's done a little bit better than Johnson. His handoffs have kind of just been more clean and generated open looks. But I agree that not only has Johnson been better on the defensive end, I think, in those switch scenarios than Millsap, um, but the offense has been better, which is kind of surprising. Um, He's made a few big threes, which you would expect more from Millsap, um, even though there's been a few bricks as well. But that's really what it is. It's the pace and just the, the connectivity that he provides, sort of just getting the ball from one side of the court to the other. And I think I read a quote that maybe you tweeted that Steve Nash said he's been impressed with Johnson as a ball handler and second side actions. Yep. And as you kind of let off this podcast with, it's like so many of those beautiful Nets possessions, swing, 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 and in a contested 15 footer. Um, not so with Johnson because he sort of keeps those advantages alive a little bit better than a guy like Millsap or especially Blake Griffin from earlier this year. So I, I agree with Johnson in that it's more of what I was expecting to see from Millsap, but that creativity with the ball, the willingness to just try something is really beneficial to the Nets right now. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, you mentioned it on, I think the last time we did a podcast, we were talking about Millsap, like, and you said I, you enjoyed the flashes where Millsap would just put the ball on the floor and like try to get to the basket. And Johnson is just such a better version of that right now. Um, right. you know, and I, I don't know. It's funny. I, I kind of came into this year thinking, well, there's going to be a lot of overlap between Blake and Paul Millsap. And now I'm kind of looking at this, like, nah, I think the overlap is James Johnson and, and Paul Millsap right now. Like that's the biggest overlap. And you know, that's, if I had to tier him, I'm probably going Johnson one, uh, Paul Millsap two, Blake three. I'm just sort of, I don't know. Can we talk about the Blake like Renaissance that's going on that people want to see more Blake? Oh, I thought you meant. No, 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 just in general. (laughs) Yeah, no, man. People have such, well, I'm not going to generalize, but (laughs) we're not a place, Twitter is not a place of of long-term memory and and that sort of thing. But no, man, listen, it would be one thing if Millsap was was steadily bad, but I feel like, you know, the Wolves-Bulls back-to-back, Millsap actually was very good, especially in the Bulls game. Um he's just been so much better than Blake, even on his worst days. And double that's doubly true, as you said, for Johnson. So to answer your question, no, I don't want to talk about the Blake. <laughs> I actually don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about their defense. Uh, where are you at with the defense? What do you, what, what, just what's been your impression recently? They're good. It's good. It's okay. They're a middle, they're an average defensive team to me. Um, I think they're better than the regular season we saw last year. Like I, there are flashes. Um, that Bulls game was really impressive where, you know, they would switch everything 
And beyond that, there was a lot of help in those situations. So like DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine would get Paul Millsap on a switch, which is, you know, their whole goal from the outside of the possession. Paul Mill or Levine would have the ball on the right side, go right, spin back to the left, something like that. And when he spins back to the left, Bruce Brown, Bembry, Millsap, or if he wasn't guarding him initially, is just there to help the action. And they were really scrambling just really efficiently. And there are moments like that where I'm like, okay, the defensive numbers are not just shooting luck-based. They have smart guys out there, especially with the bench units. You know, if you have a guy like Millsap, who's a great communicator and just very good at quarterbacking the defense and knows where to be, and you surround him with length and athleticism that he can sort of direct, then I think there's potential there to be a great defense or at least a good defense. But all of that is to say, you know, I'm not talking about this defense in the way that you would expect someone to talk about. What are they a top seven defense by net rating, like top five in the half court. There's been a ton of shooting luck. And I think a lot of that showed up in the Mavericks game where if there's a really good primary ball handler or a pick and roll threat, you know, someone to lob it up to, it's not the hardest thing in the world to get clean looks against this team. Yeah, I thought that Mavericks game was pretty interesting. Like, it's just the, for as good as they are in certain spots, Bruce, Bembry, um, man, if, if another team gets, if the other team gets the switch, like, you know, the Mavs were just, I felt bad for Patty Mills. I know Patty Mills made up for it on the other end, but uh, the Mavs were getting pretty much anything they wanted every time they put him in screening action. This is with Luca, yep. of course, handling, uh, which was interesting. I, I just hadn't seen somebody go at him. Even in watching Spurs footage last year, I just, I didn't catch a ton of that. And maybe I just didn't pick the right games to watch, but that it, it makes sense. I mean, he's a smaller guard, but uh, or even if you take one of their, you know, some of their bigs, uh, Blake Griffin, who's obviously out of the rotation, Millsap, uh, has, which has saddened me, has been torched a little bit on switches. Uh, LaMarcus has been another guy where it's like, you know, if you get the right guy or Harden, actually Harden's probably the best example. <laughs> yeah. Just guys that like, they, yeah, the Nets have their guys they are going to stay in front of dudes, but you get the right guy in front of you. Uh, if, if you're the opponent and you know, if it's whatever hard and somebody like that, uh, you can blow by and you can make this, this defense make decisions from there and they're okay at rotating out. It kind of, def- it depends who's, you know, who, who's, I guess, playing that, uh, weak side helper, or if they have to X out, then that's just a total mess. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're, they're okay. I, it's a fine defense. It's a fine defense. And the other thing is that it worries me a little bit at the end of games, just because those instances I've seen where I'm like, wow, they are Xing or wow, they are rotating or yeah, we got Patty Mills or Millsap or Harden on a switch, but the backline guys are doing a really great job. You know, when the ball handler gets to the paint of showing their hands and getting big, those guys don't really play a ton in the fourth quarter just because of what we've been talking about. They need yeah. shooting and they need spacing out there. So yesterday in the, you know, when they, when the, when Luca was just going at Patty Mills every time, I thought Patty Mills was doing about as good of a job as he can fighting really hard, making Luca change directions, but the guys behind him um, were not as active as the Bambries, the Bruce Browns, um, even, you know, Claxton seemed a little winded on defense at the end. So he wasn't sort of jumping all around as we're used to him seeing so when the other three dudes are what, Katie and Harden and um, and James Johnson, 
you know, you're not, you're not going to be scrambling that well. And I think like with most things, most things about this team, it's just a product of the lineups in that every substitution they make just feels like such a big trade-off. Yeah. I mean, that's their whole identity is defense right now. At least that's what they seem to be leading into, which is great. The problem is, is that when you have this group and their identity is defense, you're ultimately forcing a lot of Kevin Durant hero ball on the other end, yeah. because that's, that's just sort of like what you're going to end up left with. Like you just, what, what can Harden do? I mean, all these drives yesterday where he, against the Mavs, where he, he drives and it's like, you have two guys rolling off a double drag and then there's another guy that's like in the dunker spot. It's just messy. Like, and it's, you know, I don't, it's not one of those things where it's like, yeah, could could the spacing be a little better? Sure, but these are guys that are playing their roles that they're used to. Like DeAndre Bembry used to rolling to the rim. Could Lamarcus Aldridge pop to three a little bit more? Probably, but I mean, you know, that's that's a small anecdote. Uh, James Johnson, a roller. It, otherwise, he's operating in the dunker and flashing middle to to try to create options from there. So it's not like. This, and it's like the, the options are what you put Bembry in the corner or James Johnson in the corner. Like, you know, it's, it's, they're kind of locked into what they do. So yeah, I've thought long and hard about like what the rotation should look like. And I guess I, this is a, I should have probably prepped you on this, but uh, I, I want to kind of go through it a little bit, like a nine, 10 man rotation. Cause I'm at that point now where I have a pretty good feel for everybody and I have a good feel for who plays pretty well together. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I don't, I thought that would be a good exercise. I don't know if you're down to do that. No, definitely. And I think it's a great exercise with this team because I think we saw as yes, like yesterday versus the Mavs, it's very situational dependent in terms of just who closes or who plays, you know, versus a specific lineup that's on the floor for the other team. But I agree. I think we're at the point in the season where we can start to, you know, map out lineup combinations and rotations and things like that. We'll do the three easy ones, Harden, Harris, Durant. Uh, I don't, I mean, unless you think Harris should come off the bench, I personally don't. I think you need to give uh, Harden that spacing early on and and try to let him get downhill with the threat of either a guy that can pick and pop for him or just space, um, you know, in the corners and occupy the weak side helper. Uh, So I I have that. I'm curious about what do you think of like the center rotation right now? Because this is another point I wanted to talk about. What, what would you do? Would you keep LaMarcus? Do you think that's good synergy right now between Harden and Durant and everybody else in the starting lineup? Like what, so what's I your li- feel on that? So I like, I like Harden Harris. I like the Harden Harris pairing in terms of last year. My favorite thing that Nash did with the rotation was Harden Harris early exit. And then they come back in with the bench unit and just destroy other bench units. Um, I think what we saw from Harden and Claxton last night, even though Claxton has a long way to go on offense, and if you aggressively trap Harden, Claxton on the short roll can be pretty brutal. Um, I like. I think there's an argument for Claxton starting if he gets to the point that you want him to, um, you know, conditioning-wise, he keeps up the defense, all those sorts of things. And then um, you have LaMarcus Aldridge really paired with KD, centric bench units because while i really think that harden and aldrich have developed way more of that pick and roll pick and pop chemistry like you can tell harden knows where lamarcus likes to get to on the short roll from the you know the 15 foot area it's still just a more natural fit when harden is allowed to go full throttle at the rim with a guy who's going to elevate for a dunk 
Um, yeah, I think it entices him to drive too. Like if he has yeah. a guy that he feels like, hey, I have this lob sitting here. Like you want to put Harden in situations where he comes out the gate, kind of putting his head down and getting downhill. You know, exactly, exactly. So I wouldn't be opposed to starting Claxton in the future and then early subs for like Harden, Harris, and Claxton, and then get that first bench unit in as KD, Lamarcus. Um, and Patty Mills in for Joe Harris, and then you sort of play around after that, you know, with a Bembry or a Brown or a Cam Thomas. Um, you give KD like the all Hooper lineup, and then you give James Harden the all like role player lineup. Right. Yeah. I. I. It's, I. I think we're in agreement with with those four. I. I'm. So I'm looking at the fourth, the fourth guy, and it's. I think you want to add a little bit of defensive intensity. I. I think, um, I don't know. I don't, maybe you don't, maybe you want to put somebody like Patty Mills in there, but I just really rather keep him on the bench. I think that's a nice spark that you can have. Um, so for me, unless you disagree with this, I'm between Bembry Brown and Johnson for that other spot on this, on this, on this specific lineup. So I would say that this is where it's good. You know, Jackson Lloyd on Twitter made a good point. The Nets have lots of nice duos. It's just hard to get five of them on the court. That makes sense. Yeah. I think the argument for starting LaMarcus Aldridge is about Bembry. Because I think Mm. if you start LaMarcus, which is a very strong possibility just with how he's been playing and, you know, not a huge rush to bring Claxton back, then Bembry makes total sense at the three. And you go Harden, Harris, Durant, um, Bembry, and LMA. Because... With LMA working from the 16, 18-foot area, that mid-post area, that just opens up a lot of opportunities for cutters, for, you know, Bembry to fill the middle of the floor. You know, you can even run double drags. And if LaMarcus Aldridge isn't popping out to the three-point line, at least he's reliably popping out to 18 feet. Um, So if you're going with LaMarcus, I would say Bembry's slam dunk for that, you know, starting spot. And if eventually the Nets decide to go the route, hey, we want to start Claxton to make sure Harden gets out of the gate aggressively, he has his lob threat, the pick and roll is working, then I think it becomes a little bit more complicated of an issue. And I actually do think there's an argument for Patty Mills and for them to just lean into full Mm -hmm. spacing, full, you know, small, smaller, you know, shooting, maximize all of that, and then just make sure you get you know, Harris and Harden out of the game early. So you have one of Patty and Joe on the floor at all times. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, Is they're that... so confined with spacing. It's so tricky. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of been my whole thing. If you want to point fingers at the, at the roster itself, they were small, they spread teams out, they were athletic. And then in the off season, I know you think that they're going to have Kyrie and Joe the whole time and it's hard to predict those things, but they just get bigger, older and slower. And it just seems like, playing to their weaknesses instead of their strengths. And I think if you start Patty Mills and Joe Harris with Nick Claxton, yeah, you know, the defense is going to be a little hard. Lord knows about the rebounding. I mean, that Mavericks film had so many possessions of KD and Clax just sort of standing at the rim, necks craned up, not bothering to box out anybody. But if they're going to be that elite offensive team that, again, we we don't really, I think we're in agreement how strong this defense really is, is a little bit in question. Um, especially if you look at, you know, their points allowed versus really good teams. I think Patty, Joe, KD, Harden, Clax, even if you're not going to start with it, just to end with that, um, is sort of 
the best the Nets can do in getting back to what we really saw as like, man, this Nets team is a super team from last year. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I just, I guess one of the things I'm kind of pondering. You really, you really threw me with this Mills thing. That does kind of make a little more sense. What, like, what does that leave the bench? Because the bench is then it's hard. Hard, like I guess you have Harris, Harden to a degree, uh, Aldridge, and then you've got this weird mix of Cam Thomas. Um, what do we got? Cam Thomas, Bruce Brown. DeAndre Bembry and James Johnson all kind of fighting for spots. And it's just like, I don't even know how you do that from there. (laughs) It's hard because if you do that, then you have LMA, um, Johnson and and Millsap, who have all to some degree, I think, earned minutes. Obviously, there are some nights maybe Millsap gets just a couple here or whatever. James Johnson just gets a couple. But you have those three bigger, slower dudes. And you have the two non-shooting forwards in Bruce Mm -hmm. and Bembry on the bench. So I think then it just becomes a big question of like – you know, are, are we going to really make those European style subs where right. like four minutes into the game, we got Harden out and Harris out, you know, are we really sure about that? I mean, that would be the way to do it to make sure everybody gets minutes. But if you're just saying, no, we can't, we can't spend all of our energy on shooting right out of the gate. Then I think Johnson makes the most sense for all the reasons we talked about earlier. Johnson clacks makes a lot of sense. Um, on offense and I mean, on defense and the offense, you know, can be workable and it leaves you with some more shooting off the bench in terms of Mills, but also Millsap and LaMarcus Aldridge probably being the two best shooters of the big dudes. What do you think of this? All right. This is what I got penned right now. I got Harden, Harris, Durant. I have Johnson playing with Claxton. I might, that might age horribly. Bench, you have Harris, Harden. I just want Harden surrounded by spacing. Yes. Harris, Harden, Mills, Aldridge, because I like the pick-and-pop stuff with Harden. You like Bembry with Aldridge, so we'll put him yeah. in. Yeah. And then that leaves your like ninth man is Cam Thomas and I guess Bruce Brown. Like I just can't – the guy that I keep just sort of not finding a place for is is Bruce Brown. I just – I don't know where to put him. I, I don't love him next to, to, to Clax. Uh, and then – I don't know. I just, I have a lot of trouble with him this year. Yeah. It's hard because he was really the only guy who could bring what he brought on last year's roster. And now, you know, it's hard to sort of shoehorn players into a box like this, but it's hard not to look at Bembry and go, that's an upgrade in the exact same skills. And part of it is because Bruce Brown's defense has dropped off a little bit. I mean, he was really at an all defense level before the hamstring injury, like I mean, it cannot be understated how good he was on that end. And it's definitely dropped a little since coming back. And therefore, Bembry is about as good on defense as a, you know, a primary ball pressure as Bruce. And then on the offensive end, Bembry just has a more complete game. I mean, just driving to the basket, just sort of finishing off rolls. Um, and he approximates probably like 90% of what Bruce brings you as a cutter. Yeah. So. You can only have so many dudes shorter than six, seven that can't shoot. And yep. if you have Bembry, it, it, it does feel kind of redundant to throw Bruce in there, even though that feels icky just because it's like, man, he's earned it, you know, but yeah, that's just it's, the roster this year. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I've, I've reached that point where I just, I want to, I want to know, I like it's, we obviously have, that's why you have 80 games, but I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to know what it's going to look like when it really matters. Um, it feels 
feel bad leaving Millsap off. I feel like <laughs> I want him to get a shot, but I just I don't know. I, I I mean he's he but the thing about it is he's been he's had games where he's been good and he's been the upgrade over Blake. I think I think Johnson bringing what we kind of expected him to bring on offense hurts a little bit. Yeah, and just him looking not really too tenable in switch situations. What's his scheme? I don't know what his scheme is at all defensively. It's it's, it's, it's bad. I, it's switch. I I think I think the optimal. Let's just talk about Millsap for two seconds. I think the optimal Millsap with the way you use him is you play him as the five. The only other non-shooter on the court at that point can either be Bembry or Bruce Brown because that Bulls game, um, another reason it was interesting, is the first time Harden and Bruce Brown really got good looks off of their pick-and-roll game all season. Like, they got three or four in a row, and I think on two or three of them, Harden and Brown just smoked easy layups that you have to trust they'll make. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason that it looked good is because they were playing with Cam Thomas, Patty Mills, and Paul Millsap in the weak side corner and the defense wasn't really helping all the way off of him. So on offense, I like him as the five, no Claxton, no whatever. Um, and then on defense, you just have to switch him and hope that you, when you play him with guys like Bembry or Brown or maybe even Bembry and Claxton, that athleticism and help instincts on the back end just helps him out. Because there were possessions where – he could at least force Levine or DeRozan to a side of the floor. And then Bruce Brown could sort of, you know, stunt or play between two guys. Um, so I think that is the way to use Millstab. But then the question is, again, if he needs such specific guys around him, is he worth playing? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. It's hard. It's tough. It's It's been tough. The Johnson thing made it really tough. Well, um, let's talk to like for a two, Five seconds about Cam Thomas, because um, I know a lot of people want to hear about Cam Thomas because he's hilarious. He's he's so hilarious. He's like, a hilarious shot. player, man. He, he's <laughs> something. I mean, okay, I mean this in the in the nicest way possible, and it's a trait that if you're born and bred to be a scorer, if that's what you do in this league, you need to have this trait. But there's something wrong with him. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I, he's taking shots perpendicular <laughs> to the rim. <laughs> There's something wrong with this dude. Like, I love it. You know, the Nets need some of that. It's like the same sort of ilk as why I like Johnson and Millsap on offense. It's like, oh, they're trying to do stuff. But Cam takes that to an absurd level. It's so funny that he's coached by Steve Nash because, like, Steve Nash is, like, the all-time conservative, let's find the best shot possible point guard. I just have to imagine watching this is, like, just killing him inside. Like some of the, And he makes every – like, uh, there was a couple – he's taken some shots where they're, like, so ridiculous. He had that turnaround against Dallas yeah. where he spun one way and then spun out of it. It's just well, like, the, all right. The thing about that shot is he had it on the first look, and he was like, nah, fam, like, I'm going to just spin back the other way falling out of bounds um and part of it is like okay like you need you need a guy that is going to turn a small advantage into a bigger advantage and like yeah thomas can do that he has some good moments where he's attacking closeouts and he just zips by someone and you're like whoa like literally nobody on nobody else on the nets can do that that's cool and then you get you know he just has to find the balance where if he's going to play 25 minutes a game or he's going to get 25 minutes in a single game, he has to find the balance between taking seven ridiculous pull-up mid-rangers and fading into the background where no one notices him, you know? Yeah. He's out and there for a reason. 
No, he is. And like, he's got, he's got real, you know, he's got real pop, I think in a way, which is nice. He can create for himself. But I also, I'm like, I want you to drive in and draw contact. Like, where's that Cam Thomas to a degree? I like that. Like, look, the, the tough shots are a hilarious and be like really impressive. He gets so much elevation on his jumper, like too much. I honestly too like, he, like it's, it's a lot going on there, but I, I'd love to see him like get to the rim. The other thing is like the catch and shoot stuff is just like, it's got to look a little more natural. Like he's straight from the Harden school of like, this just doesn't look normal. <laughs> I think it's the shot form. I, you know, we, we talked about this a little um, over, over text, but the high jump, the elbows sort of going everywhere. He doesn't look like the catch and shooter, you know, that you expect. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's fair. I'm not a shot doctor, but. I do think that that can lead to some inconsistencies there. I will say at least he's taking them. Um, but the big thing for him in just terms of who he actually is as a basketball player is someone's going to have to get in his ear and say, yo, you're too explosive to turn everything into a one, two dribble, pull up 17 footer. Yep. Like fuck it, dude, take the third dribble, even the fourth dribble. If it means you're getting to the paint and yep. jump off two feet and create contact. Cause that's the one thing he does really well for a rookie. When he gets to the paint, he's not jumping off one foot trying to like make a crazy shot. He's going off two, he's going into someone's body, and he gets to the line a lot when he does that. I mean, we saw it in the Celtics game. I think he got to the line like six, eight times. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. For him, it's just finding a balance between I am too timid with the ball. I kind of just fade. I stand out there and no one notices me, or I'm taking bad shots because – Again, if you have him out there, you need him to do what he's best at, even if yeah. that thing looks kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I like how they're grooming him. I think I, I just, I've enjoyed that they are letting him play, but they're also like, hey, we want you to, we want you to be a second side guy. I think that's really smart. Um, it's going to help the team long term, you know, yeah. if, if they can get him comfortable in those situations. Because right now, like the pick and roll craft, even in summer league, it was like, it's not great. Like it really isn't. It's it's gonna be a while till he learns that part of the game, um, and that's a really complicated thing to learn. Like it it's taken you know somebody like Devin Booker, uh, even still it feels like he's picking up stuff and, and learning from Chris yeah. Paul. So um, I, I I like it. I like what they've done with him. I'm I'm excited about him. He's fun to watch. He's just fun to watch. Like him and, and just having Clax back yesterday, it was just so refreshing. I was like, wait, this is this is kind of fun, like a little athleticism and like weirdness and mistakes too, you know? I know. I will say sometimes I'm watching the Nets and it's like the game starts and it's like everybody is so glued to what Harden's doing. And if he is a crossover that looks 10% too slow, you're going to hear about it a billion times. And KD, it's like, oh, he's not hitting shots and the defense looks bad and it's just hard and stressful. <laughs> and then Cam and Clax come in and, and Johnson comes in and does some weird stuff. And it's like, oh, yep. oh, this is like fun. This is cool. I feel like I'm not rooting for the super team Nets. I'm rooting for like, I don't know, the the, the magic. <laughs> yeah, just, it is. Or in, like... in terms of you got some weirdness going on and it's, that's kind of fun. I All like right. the bench. I love the bench. It's it's a very fun uh it's a it's a fun thing. I, I like it. I think those guys all project different things that are going to matter for them. Uh, where are you at with this team? T- stacking it up, we we can do tiers. We can do it. Whatever. Where yeah. like where do you where do you have these guys? I think we've yeah. done this a little bit. Just texting yeah. back and forth. Um, the one thing I will say first though, it's all fun and games until someone puts Cam and Clax in the screening action, and then it's not so fun <laughs> anymore, as the Wolves did. But in terms of the teams. 
if we're gonna if we're gonna do it by tiers, um, I am pretty firmly that this is closer to a tier three team than a tier one team. Um, I think that's kind of been the common refrain from Nets fans. It's like, oh yeah, this current iteration of the team, no Kyrie, um, is not you know the uh, the overwhelming title favorite or contender. But I think looking around the league, tier one is pretty obvious. Milwaukee, and then the three teams at the top of the West. Um, to me, they, and I know this is not going to go over well, um, are not as good as the fully healthy Miami heat. And mm. it may, maybe it's not even them not being as good as the fully healthy Miami heat, but that's a bad matchup for them in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I feel oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. I would have fully healthy Miami at, you know, in tier two, um, definitely with some other teams, um, but I'd have the Nets sort of right right around there. I think the Nets are a top 10 team in the league. I think it'd be ridiculous, you know, a little bit too far to push them outside of that. You know, definitely top seven team in the league. Um, I think they're better than the Bulls, uh, regardless of how the first two games went, you know, both on the back ends of back-to-backs. Um, I think that, you know, we still got to see what the Sixers do. If the Sixers make a move, you know, with a fully healthy Joel Embiid, that team is really good if they get the right pieces around them. But... Right now, this team, to me, even acknowledging Joe Harris not being there, even if you assume he's back in the fold, it's hard for me to look at this team like, oh, they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, they're, they're, it's them in Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, that's, that's just where I am with them right now. This feels like a second-round sort of team, and – a first round might be a slog, might be a weird series if they get matched up with the wrong team, which is why yeah. it's good they're winning all these games, though. You know, the first I, well, it seems like they're gunning for it. Like, I, yeah. everything about this team shows me that they recognize the gravity of the situation and recognize where they are. They're playing their guys a ton, which, a ton. like, yes, the minutes thing has been done into the ground. It's, but it's still, true. It's, it's like, I'm sorry. It, <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> Especially after last year when they were like, oh, we're re- nobody plays back-to-back and we're resting you here and we're resting you there. Now it's, it's like, you know, it's the complete opposite. It's it, Yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy. And they clearly want the one seed. They're like leaning into this, oh, we need to be this defensive team, like which is fine. They have defenders on the team. I also think it kind of means that they don't really, really, really 100% trust the offense just yet. Yeah. Uh, so, which makes sense. You're missing, you know, a 50-40-90 guy. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I gotta say, like, I look at the teams that you listed ahead of them, Miami, that's a tough team, like, you know, obviously, like, built Miami tough, whatever, um, <laughs> moniker that they're going by, but even, like, they have little things that the Nets just aren't great at, no. Bam Adebayo, I just think can slip every screen and every get screen. something, because the Nets just have no idea how to guard slips this year. And wait, uh, and wait till, wait till Kyle Lowry starts. Screaming, yeah, <laughs> guard to guards. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's tough. So that's a bad matchup. Milwaukee is like doing all this weird stuff. I was listening to the Dunker Spot today, and they were talking about how Milwaukee is starting to blitz pick and rolls a lot more with um with Bobby Portis playing. And my first thought was, well, that's not good if if Kevin Durant has the ball because <laughs> then and there because they have basically. I mean, and it makes sense for them scheme wise. Like Milwaukee's blitzing pick and rolls, and by the way, they have the best help defender in the league just manning everything in the back and that's just that's troubling so that's troubling and, for the nets you know he can guard three guys at once and the other right. thing about that about milwaukee that i'll say is that 
Last year, it was like, man, getting dominated on the glass, turnovers, the possession battle, they're just getting crushed. And now it's like with Grayson Allen and, and Pat Connaughton. They got shooters. Taking another leap. They got shooters. And they got just like athletic wings that are just like, like just causing havoc on the perimeter. Like dudes that cover ground, you know, just like linebackers out there that can, to you know, talk, use a football term, just like set the edge and then also, you know, cover zones in the middle of the field. And now not only is the size a worry with the nets on the glass, but now they're less athletic than Milwaukee. And that to me is really scary. Milwaukee condom like they the Nets built this roster for last year's Bucks team and the Bucks are like completely different this Absolutely. year and part of that is this Brooke Lopez injury which is like I you know I mean Not I think good. they're better with him but it has forced them into a different different whatever like a different uh style of play so yeah really bizarre Golden State and Phoenix I'd like to I want to see those games I want to see that again with the Nets and they have some better switching options we don't need to see like Blake Griffin and LaMarcus no. Aldridge switch pick and rolls anymore. Like, you know, get a little James Johnson out there, get a little Nicholas Claxon. But even those matchups, it's like, I don't know. Like, Golden State tore them up with with slips to the rim with their guards. I mean, they were yep. doing they were doing everything. They're just disciplined. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a long season. These guys can figure it out. But, uh, no, it's I, I, think you've, I think you've nailed it on the head. I tweeted this about uh, during the Golden State game, which I think so perfectly encapsulates why I think they're better than the Nets. I said, to be honest, I'm more worried about Harden guarding Gary Payton the second than Gary Payton the second guarding James Harden, <laughs> which I feel like that tells you all you need to know. Um, but yeah, I have, I have, I have, I have something I have to get off my chest. I just have to say it now because I can't tweet it because I just can't deal with it. But right now, right this second, you know what it's going to be. Mm. I think it's a good bet to say that the Lakers go at least as far in the postseason as the Nets. Oh, well. <laughs> I really do. If you just look at them, if you watch, I mean, obviously I'm not like, you got to watch the games, bro. But <laughs> watch, if you watch them, I, they just, they're the same. They're a similar t- level of, of team to me. And I don't feel great about that take, but I just want to put it out there now. So if it happens, I can, you know, I can, I can, I can puff out my chest a little bit. And that's obviously not what this is about, but you know. No, it I, is though. It's, I have a little bit of an ego. We all do. I want to get yeah. it out. Yeah, I've definitely like quote tweeted my own tweets and been like, hey, check it out. Look at how smart this guy is. <laughs> that's the only reason you ratio yourself. So you have some cover for when it goes well. I do try to ratio my bad takes too, though. So it's like, you it's know, important. a little humility. Got to gotta keep myself got to keep myself honest here. That's some bad as uh, Rockets fans found uh some of my Karis LeVert tweets, which is like, all right, that's solid. You guys can find those. <laughs> hey, self-awareness is the most important thing. Okay, but no, right? Yeah, no, that, that says where I'm at on the Nets. I don't want to be too, because again, it's fun to root for a one seed. It's so much fun if you're a Nets fan to have Kevin Durant on your team. And even if James Harden looks not like prime James Harden, it's still fun to have James Harden, one of the you know greatest players of all time on your team. So I don't want to be too negative, but yeah. to right now, they're a good team. They're a yeah. good team. And that, I think, is the source of all this anxiety. They are not supposed to be a good team. They're not even supposed to be an elite team. They're supposed to be unbeatable super team, which I think fully healthy they were last year. And I don't even think they've taken a step back or two steps back. I think they're good. I think they're good. I don't I, it's, Do they have another gear? I don't know. I hope, but it, it, that's depends. the problem. It, sadly, we haven't mentioned him once in this podcast, which is like probably good because I feel like I've done this every episode. 
Uh, we haven't mentioned James Harden once, really, but Thank that's God. that's their gear. <laughs> like, that's that's the gear. That's pretty much and it. Not, and not knowing that is why it's hard for me to even call them a great team. You know, yeah. I think it's like that's how. Okay, that's the best way I can put it. There's there's unbeatable super team. There's elite. There's great, and then there's good. Those are like the four tiers of above average basketball teams. They're like tier th- three and a half to me right now, mm. and not against other teams in the NBA because I don't think this year there's a lot of elite teams but i think there's you know four elite teams and then there's a you know you could put a lot of teams in that like five to ten five to eleven range that's where i think the nets are so it's it's hard um it's just hard to deal with i guess if you're expecting like this super team as we were two months ago yeah it's i mean i don't know i feel like we got a good feel for it pretty early where they were, and I don't think that much has changed over the last month, um, which has been kind of weird. It's that the biggest changes right now are just adding the young guys, but yeah, it's been it's been an odd it's been an odd season, I think. Yeah, I was reading my post game article from the Milwaukee thing and from the from the Milwaukee season opener, and my biggest takeaway was like, this team has no rim rollers, no Kyrie, they don't have a lot of perimeter creation, and it's hard to bet on any of their guys rolling to the rim. And like two months later you could still say that that's the biggest story of their offense. You know, James. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's weird how much those takes have kind of like aged pretty well. And just, uh, I don't know. It's been, it's been an odd, been kind of an odd season, but uh, you know, it's, it's there. It's weird that they're a one seed. I, I, you know, I, that you have people reminding you over and over, uh, but sometimes I do need the reminder. They just, it's been such a weird roadmap to getting there. I mean, we started off this podcast saying it, but they just, they edge out these wins because Kevin Durant, I think, is the best clutch player in the league right now, and that's like a huge benefit to have. He's just like he just doesn't miss. Like he don't miss. Like he really doesn't miss. miss. <laughs> you know, net rating can be a little bit too heavily relied upon just for the fact that right now the Nets just have to keep it close, and then they have an incredible chance to win. So that their net rating of like you know four and a half, whatever is is lagging so far behind those other elite teams but like you know those other elite teams don't have kevin durant and for maybe as negative as i've been on this podcast like that counts for a lot yep uh, yep yeah. when the lights it's, get bright as the old cliche says yep it, it's kind of like what people thought the nets would be last year where it's like no last year they were the beautiful spurs they were ball moving spacing like you couldn't guard them because of that and then yes when the game got late like they were always going to have a mismatch with one of their three guys. This year, it's like, man, like, oh, this is sluggish and this and that. But hey, man, they got Kevin Durant at the end. So even if it's ugly, you can just kind of bail them out. Yeah, I don't know how that works in the playoffs. So we'll see. But that's kind of the beauty of this. It's I, we just don't know. We, we really don't know. It's it's 20 games in. So uh, last question. What do you think, LaMarcus? This is a real weird question to end on. But um, what do you think LaMarcus's role is in the playoffs? it it totally depends this is such a cop-out answer but it almost entirely depends on the opponent that's Um, the right answer by the way if they play the hawks like i literally i i don't even know if you can get 10 minutes um yeah you have to at least match him when trey sits so he gets 10 minutes a game because The lob threat kills him. Just the speedy guard and the guy who can get a big above the rim. Like, yeah, he's been okay in drop, but the Nets have not been playing great teams. And they've been playing, you know, guys that LaMarcus is at least big enough to slow down when they get to the rim. But I don't want to see him. I don't want to see John Collins groin on his head every five seconds. Um, 
So the Hawks, no. But if you play a team that is a little bit more, just less pick and roll dominance and explosive like that way, maybe. Oh, Bam, Kyle Lowry, Bam, and eh, maybe, and you can help off Jimmy. Oh, but then you help off Jimmy, and you help off one of the best cutters in the league. Yeah, Whew, this is it's, tough. I've had trouble with it. That's been my my latest thought that I because I a lot of my again as I said a lot of my takes have just stayed pretty stagnant over the year but this has been my latest one where I'm workshopping it I'm not sure where I'm going with it I'm a, I'm a little worried I'm just a little worried after those the Suns game or, yeah really the Suns game um but even like I don't know if they played Milwaukee like yeah he might be a good option for Giannis but then they're just gonna run Middleton Giannis pick and roll or hand, dribble handoffs with uh Giannis and, and Drew and I just I don't know I'm a little I'm not sure what it's going to look like. It sucks because I mean, he's like their most consistent offensive player that's not named Kevin Durant. <laughs> I think whew, that that that's a tough sentence to hear. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of this, I think a lot of that can be summed up with something that, you know, we've been to death, but I don't think we can gloss over. That schedule of theirs looks pretty funny in the lights. They have not played many good teams. And it's not even that they haven't played many good teams. It's that they even had one good game versus a good team. The best one was the Bulls game. And even that loss stung like hell. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I want them to go through a stretch where they play like 10 playoff teams in a month, you know, where it's not a back-to-back. They're not crammed for rest, but they're consistently playing good teams. I think that will – I think it, it'll be hard – you know, to do this sort of podcast again, like, oh, what are we looking forward to? Playoff situations, blah, 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 until we get that sort of stretch. Yeah, I mean, even the games coming up, I guess the most interesting game is probably on Christmas. You know, Denver, I guess Denver would be solid, sure. Uh, Jokic is going to have a lot of fun with <laughs> some of the awful moments from, uh, well, <laughs> you know, this, the stars on the team have been a little lackluster off ball, I'd say, <laughs> last, the last couple of weeks. Uh, who would you guard him with? Aldridge? Uh, I guess, yeah, right. I think that's what you want to do. But, I mean, I really, like, it's it's kind of a, a stretch that's, you know, we're, we're waiting for the Lakers game, maybe the, the Hawks game. I don't even know what their best win is right now. I, is it still the Philadelphia game? Is it? Oh, yeah. Is it the Boston game? I mean, Boston's been just a weird experience. Maybe the Boston game because they won convincingly. I think it was either the I think it was either the um, Boston game just because they played really well and Boston is like not a joke. Um, That I would love to say that second Cavs win or the second Cavs game that they won. Mm. I just looked at who started that game for the Cavs and it was. (laughs) No, it was not very good. We don't have to get into it. Um, <laughs> they, they were all hurt. Uh, it's it's um, it's either the um, what is it called? The the yeah, it's the Sixers or the Celtics. Um, That's so weird. Didn't wait. They beat the Hawks, right? Yeah, that was a good game. Hawks were really, they were like really a mess at that point. They were. It was bad. It, it it was. Um, man, I. Let me, okay, let me end with a, with a question. Who would you most be like intrigued by? This playoffs are so far away, but who are you like, man? I would love to see seven games of Nets blank. Um, I can't say I can't say I can't say Bucks. No, you can say Bucks. Eh, give me Bucks and one other team. All right, uh, in the East or West? 
East because well, we don't got to talk about it. the finals are. Let's not talk about the finals. We got to we got to cross one bridge at a time with this team. Mm, probably Atlanta. I still like that matchup. I don't know why. I mean, I think the correct answer is probably Miami because that's that's, that's your other that's your other. I don't know why I still have residual Hawks. I mean, they, they're injured right now, so maybe. I'd probably pick Miami, but I'd like to see a Hawks matchup too. That's another one I could get into. I would go my my answer. I think the Hawks are fun. I think my real answer is Miami, but I think my like fun answer is Cleveland. Um, oh, that's funky. Just because, man, the, all the rim pressure. I mean, all the rim deterrence uh, for Cleveland, and then it's just like putting that to the test. Like, yo, does it matter? Because the Nets aren't going in there anyway. There's a certain there's a certain star player that I don't want to see in that series for his sake on the Nets that I I don't need to see him driving into Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a pretty that'd be a pretty fun matchup. I I feel pretty good about them in in like a majority of the series, really, other than just Milwaukee and and, and uh, Miami. Those are the tosses. I, I do too. I'd pick them in pretty much everything else right now. Which, hey, by the way, like we've been so negative about a lot of things, but that is a testament, and it just kind of shows you where I guess the uh, the bar is. I will, and I'll give I'll give um, Nets fans this. I think they've been pretty self aware. Like there is a lot of self awareness within the Nets fan base about where the team is, and I I want to commend people for that because uh, it's it's very easy to just say, oh, we're the one seed and blah blah. But I think seems like you know the average fan kind of has a better idea um of of where the team is than i really expected i agree too and i think it, it that even trickles down from the organization like i remember steve jones last year was the first guy who really talked about like man the thing that impresses me with the nets is they're very self-aware they're always talking about where they need to go and not where they are and i think that's translated this year and it's why you see like what did we just say oh you got to avoid you know hopefully miami milwaukee those are the two teams i'd pick over them well and that's our gunning for the one seed yeah, you know they're they're playing their guys all the time, and you know we're not seeing a lot of resting on on back to backs. So they've continued that self awareness this year as a franchise, and I think I will give the fans uh, credit for that for sure. I think it's mostly been you know even if I'm a little more negative on them than I think the average Nets fan, it's definitely been like yes, we're the one seed, but that's not indicative of the best team in the East. Um, Philly, man, that's the wild card. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's primed to, I don't know what they're going to do. It seems like they're waiting for Washington, who now has a negative point differential, and I guess Portland. I don't, honestly, I don't want to mention Portland because I can't do another Dame headline. I can't do it, man. I'm, okay, I'm this, over this it. Is, this is a CJ headline. <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I don't want that either. So I guess they're just waiting for Washington uh, with, and there was that, that clip going around today of, of uh, Brad Beal saying he didn't want to sign the extension yet, which I just like one of these guys just leave. <laughs> All right. Just do that. You know what? Just James do Harden, it. At least James Harden was like, yeah, I was messy. And yeah, I was like probably, you know, awkward, whatever, but at least he did it, man. Like he just, yeah, just he did do it, it, man. Come on, Bradley. <laughs> like I, I don't care. Like, listen, Bradley Beal, amazing player, right? But yeah. you're Bradley Beal. Just do it, man. You're not, it's not LeBron. It's not Giannis. It's like you're, you're Bradley Beal and you play for the Wizards. Just ask out. It's okay. No one's going to yep. write it on your grave, man. You can, it's, it'll be okay. Yeah. It's so I, those are probably the two wild cards. I, I guess, I mean, even if they like Philly got 
Beal and 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 Bead. I I like that. Uh, the one thing is the roster is not. Built I don't love for the a, defense. The roster is not built to get a scoring guard, and that's no. the two guys you look at. Like, oh, McCollum or Beal. Like, well, I wish all the role players weren't six five and under. Yeah, it's a lot of like. I mean, the the McCollum thing is it would be hilarious if they had like a, a backcourt of what Seth Curry. Uh, Maxi and and CJ or even if you brought in Dame, which like Dame's just been a disaster defensively the last two years. It's just a lot of pressure to put on uh, Embiid. I I don't know. So I'm a little I'm a little lower on on what uh, on on what Philly's doing. I mean that's fair. Yeah, I just I don't know. They don't they don't move me this year. I get that. I think my thing is like if Embiid is healthy again, huge if. I think he has. I think he really might be my pick for that fifth guy for the fifth best player in the world right now. Um, wow. I mean, he's certainly like the th- third third best player in the conference right now. Yeah, what? Giannis, yeah, Giannis KD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Giannis KD and then him. I mean, because the other two contenders, I think, for me for that fifth spot Trey. are really... Ooh. Trey's pretty good. Zach DeMar? No, nah, I don't know. No, nah, uh, Trey's pretty amazing, but I, I have to give it – I would give it to Embiid um, over him right now. Yeah, um, me too. Man, those top 10 lists are going to look – this is like – last thing I'll say, this feels like the year where it's like we're, we're entering the new decade, the new hierarchy. It's like, yes, Steph still might make the finals. Hell, like we might – who knows? We might see Steph, Katie, Dre in the finals again, you know? But this feels like the year where it's like – those guys, like the Trey, the Levine, um, the new wave are like, you know, these are the new top 10 lists. Like the, it's really here, which is yeah, fun it's exciting. to see. It, it, we saw it in the playoffs last year and everybody kind of was like, well, it's just injuries and whatever. And I don't know. I, I bought it. I was like, nah, I feel like this is a, this is something, something's happening here. And here we are. We're kind of, we're, we're a lot of things have carried over. Turns out the Bucks and the Suns are really good. They're actually yeah. really good. Turns out the Bucks and Suns are, are good. You guys should have watched that finals. It was a really good finals. <laughs> Everybody boycotting it. Come on, man. What do you mean? They, they, it was played in Milwaukee and Phoenix. I don't believe you. <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't watch basketball unless it's played bordering a uh, uh, coast. Yeah, me, uh, yeah. We are coastal. We call you know we cover the Nets. We're coastal elites out here. Uh, Lucas, what do you got coming out? Anything? Anything exciting? Um, you could plug your bylines since at this uh, point we're we're rolling into this Houston game. We are pretty I'm, nicely. I'm, I'm writing for uh, for Nets Daily and Nets Republic for my Nets people. Um, so no matter where your allegiances lie uh, in the brutal civil war, <laughs> you can you the can turf wars. Some, you can find some of my work there. I'm like Sweden. I stay neutral. Um, I'm the Sweden of Nets of the Nets of Nets world. Um, and. <laughs> If you want to read more general NBA stuff, I write it. I think I write, I think honestly, some of my best work is about, you know, um, other stories around the NBA. Um, I've written some pretty long ass pieces on like random young players from around the league this year. And I'll be continuing to do that. And that's at Roll Call Sports, which is a cool website that you should follow. But yeah, that's Republic, Nets Daily, Roll Call Sports. But more importantly, I tweet it all. So, you know, that's, I'm assuming that's how most, how most of you are finding us anyway. So can follow me on there and you'll see all the stuff what's your handle changed it i don't like my government on there l-u-c-k-a-p-7-2-8 what you posting on there (laughs) 
just too much, too much. <laughs> too many thoughts. They don't need to. I, listen, the other day I, I looked up my name on Google and I saw like the first thing that came up was a tweet just about, I don't know, like SpongeBob or like cereal or some bullshit. And I was like, eh, that's enough of that. <laughs> I'm I'm screwed. I can't. I'm, I got Matt Brooks. NBA is. I hate that. God. Yeah, I yeah. I. You know that was mine at first, and then I was like, I hate it. I was like, nah. People are gonna know I tweet about the NBA. It's all about basketball. They'll figure it's it so out. So stupid. I regret it so much. But you I'm can change it at this point. Nah, yeah. Look! Look how shameless I am. I change my profile picture, my handle, all every five seconds. You can do it I, once. I do have a, a a a profile picture where I'm like probably 20 pounds lighter, uh, 20 pounds skinnier. Uh, and it's from like pre pandemic too, which is pretty great. So I should probably update those things, but, um, Lucas, thank you so much for joining me. We'll definitely do this again. Uh, and I guess we should probably go watch this Houston Nets game. Oh yeah. Oh man. We missed the, uh, we missed the introduction for James Harden, but, uh, (laughs) thanks man. Thanks for having me on blast as always. Of course.